We're in a series that we've called Live to Give. We started this week, and uh, I want to just take the moment to read the passage of Scripture that we're working with this morning, and then ask God's blessing on our time, and then get right into the text. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, under the heading, Don't Waste Your Life. And this is what Paul tells the church at Ephesus and what the Holy Spirit has to share with us today. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. And Lord, we've come to worship your name. We've done it in song. We've lifted up our concerns and our adoration to you in prayer. And now we open your word so that we can hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of us this morning from your word. Lord, I pray that we would learn what it means to be good stewards of all of who we are. And especially this morning, good stewards of the time we have. Lord, we recognize that we are limited in our resource of time here on earth. And Lord, I pray that we would live like Jesus, who at just the right time, in in just the right ways, he was doing what his Father in heaven had called him to. Father, I pray that we would be the same, making the most of every opportunity, because Lord, we know our days are evil. And so Lord, give us the strength to do it. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. We begin a new series called Live to Give. It's a series on the subject of stewardship. And for many of us, as we go and embark on this four-week journey through this subject matter of stewardship, we begin to think of the idea that what we're going to hear about are four sermons And in our small group study, four studies on the issue of our pocketbook. Because here in America, we have this idea that stewardship equals money. And I'm here to tell you that while money is a part of the issue of stewardship, it is a small part. It is one of many parts when it comes to the issue of stewardship. I want you to write this uh, definition down of stewardship. It's an important one. Put it down in your uh, bulletin insert that you're following along with. Stewardship, stewardship is everything. Stewardship is everything that we do. Stewardship is everything that we do after we say we believe. Stewardship is everything that we do after we say we believe. Now, what I mean by that definition is stewardship encompasses all facets of our lives. As a Christian, and we need to understand that both Christians and non-Christians alike, followers of Jesus Christ and people who could really give uh, very little care to Jesus in their life, are all stewards. The question is, and what Paul addresses in the book of Ephesians, is either we are going to be a wise steward or an unwise steward. We are either going to be a steward who uses what has been given to us for the glory of God, or we will give it to ourselves and be used on our own desires and wants. 
This issue of stewardship for the believer who says that they believe in God. And we all, I believe here, if we have uh, professed a faith in Jesus Christ, would say we believe in God. We believe in Christ. We want to give our all to him. That is our belief. That is our profession. In some ways, that is our talk. Stewardship is the walk. After we have amened what the preacher says about giving our all to Jesus and, and serving him and making him the most important thing in our life, stewardship is what we do when we leave the church. It's what we do in our homes. It's what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all days of the week. But sadly, many of us here in the Christian world talk a great game about stewardship, but don't live it out. Others of us are great when it comes to stewardship on Sunday, but every other day of the week, stewardship is a forgotten thing. You see, we have the um, problem of separating the secular from the sacred. And we have our sacred moments here in church and in our times with God. And then we have, if you will, our secular times, our, our work and our play and, and our daily rituals in life. And those two things never see each other. They're separate. And what stewardship does, it takes that which is sacred, that which God has given us, and it moves into the secular and says, in my work and in my play, when I'm uh, engaged in uh, business, when I am engaged with my family, when I'm engaged with my pocketbook, whatever facet of my life that I think is mine, it's not because the sacred begins to invade the secular and it begins to pervade from our lives as a result of the moving of God in our lives. That's what stewardship is all about. Stewardship is us taking what God has told us and not just saying it, but living it. And so if you think stewardship is about your pocketbook, you're maybe a tenth right because it is so much more. Now, once we've understood the proper, have the proper understanding of what stewardship is, then we need to ask the question, what areas are included in our Christian stewardship? It can't be everything. I mean, there are some things that are just ours, they're just, they're, they're mine. I tell my boys all the time when they become possessive of, of certain things, I will say, uh, that's mine. I own that. They'll say, well, this is my TV. No, that's my TV. I bought the TV. Well, this is my room. No, it's, it's not. It's on loan to you. It's my room because it's my house. And I remember one time Josh said, well, I know what's mine. And he pulled up his little bear bear and he says, this is mine. This isn't yours. And we begin to do that. We say, God, I understand that 10% of my, my money is yours, and I understand that I need to give you the Lord's day. Uh, but there are some things that are mine. Lord, my television watching is mine. The purchase that I make with my new car, that's mine. And I will tell you something that I've learned as I've studied this issue of stewardship. We're dead wrong if we think that. Abraham Kuyper, a great theologian of the past, uttered these words, and I pray that they would resonate in our hearts. I even told Amanda when I first read this quote that I wanted it all over our sanctuary because I love it, because at the fabric of it, at the very uh, fabric of it is what we need to know as people, and this is what he says. There is not one square inch of all of creation of which Jesus doesn't cry out, this is mine. This 
belongs to me. Have you thought, have I thought, that everything that I have, every relationship, every hobby, every dollar, nickel, and penny that is in my pocket, Jesus in heaven is saying, Tim, that is mine. It belongs to me. Just as a father or mother tells their children, hey, you haven't paid for that. I'm the one that paid for that. Hey, you weren't the one that worked hard for that. I was when it comes to the home. Likewise, we as Christians must be aware. We must live by this truth that every square inch of creation, including our own lives, Jesus says is his. And when we begin to recognize that, we will begin to understand what it means to be a steward. Our money isn't ours. Our house isn't ours. Our time isn't ours. The relationships we have aren't ours. Our church isn't ours. Even the family that we've been given, it isn't ours. The job that we have, the success, even the failures that, that we think are, are, are all ours and, and, and on us are the Lord's. Everything is his. The Lord speaks to this. You say, well, it's great that an old guy says a great quote. But what does the Bible say? Psalm 24.1 reminds us that all of the earth is the Lord's. All of creation. And so only what Abraham Kuyper is doing is he's just reiterating what Psalm 24.1 says. That the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. And the way we get it, the book of James tells us, is in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift comes from not us. James doesn't say it comes through your hard work or it comes through your 401k or it comes through some wise stock investments. He says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our God in heaven. And what we need to understand is everything that we have isn't because we've earned it or because we deserve it, but because our God in heaven has given us his creation the ability and the opportunity to enjoy gifts that he has given. And the only thing he asks is that we be wise stewards of those things. And so as a church, this is why stewardship is so important. This isn't to make sure that the giving goes up at the church. This isn't so we just get people to serve. Because let me tell you something. If we serve or we give because we feel like we have to, because we feel that uh, we're being guilted by the person who's leading the ministry or from the preacher when it comes to the giving in the church, then we have failed to be wise stewards. We're just going along with the crowd. But if we begin to recognize that, Lord, you've given me wealth. Lord, you've given me the ability and the gifts to serve in a particular area, to minister to people. Lord, you've given me a mouth to, to share either words of curses or words of blessing. And because you've given me these things, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to strive in every way to live out the life of a steward. And here's why, brothers and sisters, because the thing that we learn about scripture from Scripture is that we are not only judged on our words, what we profess, but the Bible makes it very clear, we will be judged for what we do after we say we believe. 
That's what stewardship is all about this morning. So now we move to the issue of time. We move to the issue of time. And with our text before us, I don't want to dig incredibly deep into uh, the text, not because I don't think there's great things to be learned, but I want us to walk away just being able to resonate on some simple truths. Here's the thing. We all have time. We all use time. What the Bible is going to tell us is you have time, use it in the right ways, and use it so that my glory is raised up, not your own. So that my pleasure is sought after instead of your own pleasure. It is taking that which we have and placing it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So simply this, time is short. Use it to the best of your ability with the help of God so that you may glorify God. End of sermon. You're not going to get out that easy. So what do we need to know about time this morning? The first thing we need to understand about time is that time is by far the most comprehensive and yet subtle issue of stewardship that we have. What I mean by comprehensive is that time engages all that we are. Whether at work or at play, we're within the concept and within the dimensions of time. Whether we are using it to the best of our abilities or wasting it, an hour for the guy that's working hard or the guy who's lazy is still 60 minutes. We can't get away from the issue of time. And so everything touches on this issue of time. So we've got to get it right. The second thing is it's subtle. And the reason why it's subtle is because time is always going. It's always with us. And so we never really think about it. We're never really thinking about our use of time because time is going. And yet we live in a time-sensitive world. And it's funny that our time sensitivity is really on just a couple things, not on all things. I heard someone say that, uh, uh, that uh, we as Americans are, are very focused in on time. Yeah, on the things we want to be a part of. When it comes to the things that maybe mean we're going to have to give up some of our own desires and wants, we're, not about time, or we're about time all the time. But when it comes to a football game or going on a shopping adventure, we've got all the time in the world. And let's just get rid of the calendar. Let's get rid of the, the, the watches. And so time is something that is comprehensive in our lives. It's also subtle. It has been said when it comes to time that some folks save it. Others make it. Most waste it. Several kill it. And very few are actually on it. He's been here. We try to manage it but we end up losing it. And yet, what the amazing thing about time is, is time is always a taker. It is never a giver. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And you can't get it back. However you used it, it will never come back. We can never uh, begin to push back the time, the, 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 what do you call it on the clock? The hands of time, thank you. The hands of time back to relive it if you will. Once the time is gone, it's gone. And so therefore, as we talk on the subject of time, as we explore Paul's words, let us understand that the way we use our time will show us if we are living for self or living a life of significance for Christ. The first thing we need to be aware of this morning is that time is a gift, 
not to be taken for granted. Write that down in your outlines. Time is a gift not to be taken for granted. I learned this valuable and uncompromising nugget, if you will, of wisdom 21 years ago yesterday. 21 years ago yesterday, I learned that we are not guaranteed tomorrow. If you don't know, 21 years ago was the day that my brother died in a car accident at the ripe old age of 16 years of age. And what I learned as a 14-year-old boy was that we are not guaranteed tomorrow. That just because my grandparents lived to be into their 80s, and just because we live in a society that has wonderful health care, doesn't mean that we are guaranteed a long and prosperous life. That some don't even make it out of the womb and their life is over. That some have just a couple days. My wife Amanda had a, a sister before she was born, four years old, who died of leukemia. Time is a gift. When was the last time you woke up and you looked up to that ceiling in your bedroom and said, thank you, Lord, I opened my eyes. I'm not dead. Because when we begin to look at life like that, life is going to take on a very different perspective and point of view. Now you say, Tim... That is true, life is a gift, but what about what do the scriptures say? I love what the scriptures say on this subject. Write these passages down. Psalm 90, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 90, verses 10 and 11 say the following. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80, if we have the strength. Yet their span, this is Moses talking, by the way, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. What Moses is saying is even if you live 70 or 80, that's a pretty short life. And for our mature brothers and sisters in this place, and we have them who are in their 70s and 80s, if we were to bring them up today, they would say, man, life just went like that. It's gone. I, I remember being a kid, and, and now I'm, I'm old. I remember being young and, and having all of, of my faculties be able to work and to run and to play, and, and now it's just difficult sometimes to get out of bed. And I remember it was, and, and when did it go? Where did it go? And the older we get, the more we understand what Moses is saying, that time is a gift, and it shouldn't be taken for granted. I like what Job says. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing. And our days on earth are but a shadow. That's Job 8, 9. We're born only yesterday. We know nothing. And our days on earth are but a shadow. James 1, 14 says this. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Whether you are a prince or a pauper, we are all held to one life. And some have 
a long one, and that may be up to 100 years of age. That's what Willard Scott used to tell us every day on the Today Show. Some of you are too young to even know who Willard Scott is. And others are given maybe another couple moments of time. As believers, we must recognize that our life, the very breath that we have, is but a gift from God. And if it's a gift from God, we need to do the best we can to use it. To use it to the best of our ability so that God would receive glory. So how do we begin to do that? The next thing I want you to see is that our our life is to be given. Our time is to be given. It's to be given. Since time is not our own, since it's a gift that God gives, then we need to give it. Just as we give a tithe to the Lord, we need to give our time to the Lord. It's his. But where is that to be given? Where are we to give our time? If if anybody ever has an issue of time, they recognize this. I recognize this as a father, as a pastor, as a manager of a small business. If there's anything that plagues me, brothers and sisters, it is that four-letter word, time. Trying to make sure the business is doing what it's supposed to. Making sure the church is doing what it's supposed to. And then turning around and being a father and a husband, by the way, to three boys. Time is something I don't have a lot of. And so how do I make sure I prioritize my time is a question that I am asked by Christians over and over again. Because we want to get this time thing right but how do we begin to do it? The first place our time is to be given, write this down, is to the Lord. It is to be given to the Lord. What we need to do every morning is to wake up and to say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. First of all, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Why do we rejoice and be glad? Because we're not dead. Lord, thank you for the sun. Because I get to see it today. Thank you for the rain. It's pretty dreary out today. But Lord, at least it's better than looking up at a coffin. I'm alive. Lord, thank you. And as a result of being thankful that God has given you yet another day to live on this earth, to engage in relationships, then Lord, what will you have for me to do today? If you do no devotions, if you don't study the Bible... And I know there are are many here that that falls upon. Let me tell you to do one thing, and you will go a lot farther in your Christian life. Wake up and say, Lord, what can I do today that will bring you glory? What can I do today that will please you? And if you begin to do that in that two minutes of time, you will begin the long journey of stewardship, but it's a great start. Start there, giving it to the Lord. Now we have to discern his will as to how that takes place, but we need to ask him. And we need to allow the Lord to ask us about those things. Growing up, when I first got my license and I was heading out the door, my parents would always say to me, where are you going, when are you going to be back, and what are you going to be doing? And if I couldn't answer all three of those, I wasn't going anywhere. And I want you to know that what God wants of his believers is to know where you're going and what are you going to be doing and how long is it going to take. 
And if you, with your decisions in your life and with your day, are able to articulate, Lord, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to be doing. And if you begin to utter some words of of sin to him, saying, Lord, I'm going to go do this on the internet, or I'm going to go and and slander so-and-so today, uh, the Holy Spirit, if you have him with inside of you, is going to say, hey, I don't like that. But the last thing we do is go with our day by giving it to the Lord and asking him to speak into it. And for us to answer the difficult questions that the Lord would have for us. The other element of of giving to our Lord is giving him the best of our time. And one thing that amazes me as Christians who say we love Jesus, and I'm going to offend some people here, and that's okay. It's good to be offended every once in a while. Is how stingy we are when it comes to our service to God and our devotion to him. Lord, I've only got five minutes to give you in in Bible study. Lord, I wish that guy would stop talking. Why does he talk for so long? Someone put a sock in him. He just keeps going and going and going. And the same person who articulates that, who's holding a stopwatch to ministry and a stopwatch to a preacher and a stopwatch in small groups is the one who can watch six hours of football on the Lord's day. And I love football. But you don't have any problem there? Well, I have ADD, you tell me, in church. I just, you got 30 minutes, Tim. Where's your ADD during the football game? Where's your ADD on the internet? Where's the ADD when it comes to Facebook? You've gone to the wrong doctor. You don't have ADD, but you have a lack of love when it comes to Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And we've got to rid ourselves of that, brothers and sisters, Because we come up with these sanctimonious things of, well, you should be able to say a certain amount of things about Jesus and then be done. Are you serious? We could exhaust our whole existence and not even scratch the surface on the greatness of Jesus Christ. And yet we say, well, we got other things to do. Give the Lord the first of your time. Number two, give it to your loved ones. This comes to relationships. We are, to, first of all, if we have a family, we're called to our families. The scriptures tell us that over and over again, that we are called to raise up, to uh, serve, and to experience the issue of family, to um, uh, engage with our family in the ways of life, and, and to equip our families, if we have children, to equip them so they're ready to be the adults that God has called them to be. If we're married, we're called to give our spouses time. And that means when we come home from work, gentlemen, we don't say to our spouses, as I do many times, my wife has only been talking preschooler and and up to third grade language, and she wants to have an adult conversation, and she says, Tim, tell me about your day, and my response is, it was great. It was wonderful. Well, tell me a little bit more about it. I went to some meetings, and that's about it. We need to engage our spouses And there's different ways that we can engage and use time, but but we need to do it with our families. We need to do it in our relationships. We need to do it within the church family here. We need to make sure our schedules aren't so busy that we don't have time to engage in the people that are closest with us. It involves our loved ones. Notice also it involves our labor. We're called to use our time to work. 
to be honest with you, besides sleep, you will spend more time at work than anything else that you do. And the question is, are you using that 8 or 10 or 12 or or 15 hours a day that you may be working, are you using that as an employee, as a laborer for the cause of Jesus Christ? Are you serving in that way? We're called to serve, Colossians write this passage down, 4, 22 through 24. As earthly, if you will, slaves or servants, we are called to serve honoring our employers, doing the best job we can as if we're serving Christ. And so the question is that we have to ask when it comes to our labor is, are we serving the Lord the best way that we can at our work, no matter what it is that we do? And finally, in regards to our leisure, yes, we are given a time to take a break. God took the seventh day of creation and he rested. But the way we rest is we don't rest at all. We just do a lot of fun and crazy things during our vacations in our time. And I want you to think about this. What we do is we make our R&R an idol. And we look to it and we yearn for it. And what we have forgotten is our rest is to rejuvenate and allow us to re-engage in the work that we're about to do. And so what happens is as we go, we go, we go in our times of recreation And what we never do is ask the question, now that I'm rested, what now can I do of greater use because I've gotten the rest that I've needed? Because I've been able to get away and and, and recenter my life so that I can get back. You're not thinking that when you go to Disney World. You're not thinking that when you're, you're just out and about doing whatever. We as Christians must look at even our R&R and be a good steward of it. How can I use it So that I'm rested, so that when I get back, the church can count on me. My family can count on me. My employer can count on me. And best yet, my Lord can count on me. We need to make sure that we do that. Solomon says there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. A time to work, a time to play, a time to plan, a time to go. All of these things. And the question is this moment, are we giving it to God? And are we prioritizing these things? Because quite frankly, the priority of our lives are all out of whack. The assignment I have for you before I get to my third point this morning is look at last week's schedule. And I mean really sit down and be reminded of what you did and the time that you did it. And then ask the question, if an unbeliever was given this, would they even know that I am a Christian? Is there anything from my calendar that would even give them the inclination that I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Remember, stewardship is everything that we do after we say we believe. And so your, your unbelieving friend may be able to look at your calendar and say, yeah, he says he's a Christian, but from this calendar, I don't see anything that's different than mine. And so as a result of that, because of our struggle, we need to be guided by God. You say, Tim, you haven't gotten to the text today. Here it is. We need to be guided by God. Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, be very careful. Be very careful. It should remind us that our use of time, we can lose it when it comes to our time. We can lose our perspective. And so what Paul is saying is, is be careful. As you walk in the light, as you serve, as you are a beacon of light to the world around you, be very careful because you can lose your way very quickly. 
Your life and the priorities that you have can get away from you. And so be very careful. This phrase here, be very careful. It's also translated pay close attention to or be mindful of. Gives the idea, first of all, we must be aware it is a command. The Lord wants us to take control of our use of time and the way that we use our life. We can't just let our life come to us. We need to grab a hold of it and begin to prioritize it how and where we spend it. We must use our time right. It's a command because we're prone to use it for all of foolish reasons. Second, this phrase carries the idea of carefully looking around you or intently looking around to your surroundings so as not to stumble. And so what we need to do as Christians is we need to look at the time that we have. And remember, we we don't know if we have tomorrow. And so we need to be careful we don't waste today because no man has promised tomorrow because no man knows what a day might bring. And so the question, and we we did a series like this a year ago where we talked about having one month to live and making sure that we understand that we have a limited amount of time. And because we have a limited amount of time, we need to be careful. And Paul tells the Ephesians, be very careful. And he says, hey, look around. Take a look at your calendar. Take a look at your time. And ask the question, am I living it foolishly? Or am I living it wisely? What can, it was in my life that I've got to get rid of. So as not to stumble on those things so I can do what God requires of me as a good steward of it. So how do we do it? We need to, first of all, see that it involves repenting of wasted opportunities. The first thing we have to do with our time is understand how we've wasted it in the past. How we have wasted it. Wasted opportunities are things that will never come back. I make a lot of jokes about where I was as a high school and college student and and, and the fun and games that I had during that time. But can I share one great area of regret in my life. And students, listen to this, because you've heard a lot of Tim and is joking about it. I regret not making the most of the education that I was given. Man, the things I wish I knew now that I could have been learning that those poor teachers, I pray for them often, those poor teachers were trying to teach me and I missed it, and I blew it on fun and games and and trying to be popular and trying to be the class clown and all of that. I regret that. Number two, I regret getting a college education. I had every opportunity to do that. And you know how hard it is now with three boys learning their new math and all of that? it's, It's like going to college yourself. Dealing with that and dealing with the things of being an adult, how hard it is to go back and do that. It's tough. And we need to say, Lord, I blew it. I missed it in that. Some of you have missed opportunities to minister. And now you're in your middle age. And you've given up all these opportunities and young people have taken them up. And you need to repent and say, Lord, I blew it. I needed to serve you more and I didn't. I was more focused in on my own life and my desires and I didn't give you the time that I needed. We need to repent of wasted opportunities and all of us are gonna have different ones. 
And we need to call them when they are sin, we need to call them sin. When they are foolish living, we need to call them foolish and seek to understand what the way of wisdom is. Because here's the thing, if you don't know your history, you are going to inevitably what? Repeat it. You're going to relive it over and over again. And so stop and say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. And I've done it, and here are the ways that I've wasted my time, and I'm not going to do it anymore. We waste our time. Think of it in this illustration. When we don't do what God would have of us, is like going to Disney World and sitting in your hotel room and watching on TV all the attractions. Who would say that that's stupid? You've invested all this time and energy getting down there to be the happiest place on earth, supposedly, and you get there and you say, I'm just going to watch it on TV. That's what we do when we are unwise stewards of what God has given us with regards to time. And so let's call it what it is and let's repent of it. Number two, we need to remember that the days are evil. That's what the text says. He says, hey, be careful. Why? Because the days are evil at the, verse, at the end of verse 16. There's no need to expound on this. This word evil means evil. Things are bad out there. And what I want you to know is that the most subtle way that the devil gets you to not be the steward that God wants you to be is just to distract you. He loves it when you're on the internet. He loves it. He loves it when you uh, engage in frivolous activity. And I will tell you, and I love the television, but man, the devil just sitting there applauding. Just keep laughing there and gaining more weight, Badal. That's great. Because the longer you're in front of that TV, the longer you are ineffective for your God. And we got to be careful with these things. And it's bad because the TV and the things that we read and, and, and the things that we engage in, if they're not of God, they're evil. And you say, well, they're not really that bad. Well, if they're taking us from our relationship with Christ, they're evil. They're no good. And so we must be ready. We must be ready for the onslaught of the devil and the ways of this world. And what that means is not letting life again come to us, but going after our life, grabbing it, getting rid of the things that we need to, making sure that no one is able to talk us into doing things that we shouldn't, and live life the way God has told us to. And what we see that is, and I I didn't tell you before, we're going to scratch out the third one. It was already taken out. We're going to scratch it out, and we're going to go to redeeming our time for Christ. So just get rid of that third line and go to the fourth one. Redeeming our time for Christ. In the NIV, the translation says making the most of the opportunity. It's a word that is used that literally means to buy something. It was a marketplace word. It was a word in first century Greek that meant that you would buy something of great value and you would try to get the best deal for it. A quick survey, who of our people are are big deal finders and couponers and all of that? I've heard about it. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be afraid. If you get a good deal, man, just be happy. I got $4,000 worth of groceries for 15 cents. Raise your hand with pride. Okay? Now, who knows what you're going to do with 4,000 garbage bags and a, a case and a half of Lucky Charms, but you got it. Okay? This is what that is talking about. Finding the deal. 
Making the most of what you have. You have a limited amount of time. That is your resource. That is, if you will, your capital. Think of it as a $20 bill in your pocket. You've been given a $20 bill, and the question is, how are you going to use it? Now, some of us just use it and just spend it. And we give no regard to it. Well, if that's what it's going to cost, then I'm going to do that. And we don't think about how we're investing it. Others of you say, hey, I can buy here for a lesser price than I can buy here. I'm going to do that. But that takes planning. That takes wisdom. This is what Paul is saying when it comes to our time. You can waste your time and use your time however you want to, or you can put it under the lordship of Jesus Christ and say, I am going to redeem it for Christ. And it comes back to asking the Lord, how will you have me live my life today? Finally, it involves not only redeeming the time, but recognizing God's plan for your time. If you're not in his word, you don't have a clue of how to use your time. If you're not praying, then you don't know what the Lord will have of you. Notice in the next verse, verse 17. He says that we need to make the most of every opportunity, seize the day, if you will, redeem it for Christ, because the days are evil. They're there, they're distracting us, they're keeping us from using our time as Christ wants us to. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand this, you will never know what the Lord's will is unless you know what the Lord's word says. And if you're not in the word, you don't know his will. And if you're not in the word, then you don't have a clue. You are living your life apart from him. You are not a steward. If I don't know what my master wants of me, then how will I ever uh, impress him? How will I ever make him a success? How will I ever make sure that he is pleased by my work if he if, if I don't know what he requires of me. And so, brothers and sisters, here's the application. You want to make your time right? You want to make the most of every opportunity? Then get into his word. Turn off the TV. Quit reading the magazines. Get off of Facebook and the internet and invest some time every day and pick up his word and ask the question, Lord, what is your will for my life? And when we do that... We will seize the day. We will make the opportunities. We'll make the most of the opportunities. We will endure the evil days that are around us and fight off the temptation because we have studied to show ourselves approved as to know how to live and not waste our life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, It is our life. We need your word every day. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. That, Lord, as we leave this place, we would be reminded that we are given only a segment of time. And our use of that time will determine what people say about who we are. It will determine on what kind of Christian we are. It will determine what type of reward in eternity we will have. Lord, we've been given this, and we need to use it to the best of our abilities. Lord, I pray we will do it corporately as a church. I pray that we will do it individually as a people, that we will redeem these days, these moments in time for you and for your name. 
And Lord, it'll be different for each and every one of us. And so Lord, I pray that we will open your word and we will ask the question, Master, what will you have of me today so that I can please you? Lord, we say we want to please you today. Now, Lord, our stewardship is living that out after we have professed that belief in you. Lord, give us the strength to do it. We can't do it on our own. The fight that will come from the world is too difficult for us to bear. So let us depend on you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.